Hebrews chapter 9. I'm going to go to the New King James Version. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service in the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared. In the Exodus, we'll see that in the light training school, those who are there. These uh, furniture and furnishings, the tabernacle itself was given as a pattern from God. And within it, certain things were there. And the writer to the Hebrews, he highlights that and shows the meaning of it in relationship to Christ and to us who are not even Jews. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part, in which was the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. That's the first part of the tabernacle. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. Now, this was a physical structure, of course. God instructed them to get certain dyes to color the outer uh, curtains with certain dyes and then badger skin. You had very specific materials, not unlike what the Lord told Noah in terms of um, an elaborate design. And here, much more. Because the significance of this is that it concerns the priesthood and the whole approach to the living God, which we, through Christ, have ready access. How enormous it is that where they, whereas they had to go through all of these things and couldn't get into the tabernacle, that first part, they couldn't get into the holiest of all, Yet very select people and in the holiest of all only once a year. You and I, every believer, every born-again person can go right into the holiest place. We don't have an earthly tabernacle. We don't have an earthly temple. But we get to pray and have immediate access to God who is in the holy temple in heaven. At the same time, we're also portable temples. We're walking around, mobile, if you will, and he lives within us. We have direct, immediate access, which they couldn't have dreamed of unless it was given by revelation. We are so rich. We're so rich. We have so much. Even when we go through the hardships, the Word of God breathes fresh breath upon us. Help us to realize we do have the power that is above every other power. Not in and of ourselves, to psych ourselves, but from God, the Almighty God. He's able to help us. That's why we can pray. And as I heard Suzanne's prayer, they pulled over here at the gas station by the train station. She had quite a number of requests in that prayer. And we had the privilege to ask God for anything and everything. God is able to do all things well, like he told Job. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 3, And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer, 
and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant, and above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing their services, their sacred duties. But into the second part, the high priest, having the most sacred duty once a year, went in. Not without blood. He had to bring that offering of blood. Not because God just wants blood for blood's sake, but it represented life for the sins that they committed. That sin brings death. And indeed, it cost the Son of God his life to set us free. The high priest was a foreshadow. The ritual was a foreshadow. He had to enter that holiest place, the most holy place, with blood, which he offered for himself first and for the people's sins in ignorance, committed in ignorance. Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. So, as long as that first tabernacle was there, it was clear you cannot come near God intimately into the holiest place because it requires blood. It requires the blood of a sinless animal at that time for one man to come as a representative of the whole nation. But because one man died, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man, gave his sinless blood, we can come now. We don't have to have any kind of qualification other than being purged by the blood of Jesus and maintaining that holy walk by just abiding with him. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. There's a remembrance of the sins, as we'll read. Concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. When God came and reformed the religion where ancient Judaism, with all of its washings and rituals became obsolete and he brought in the better way better promises, new covenant so the things that had to do with the old covenant including the foods, the drinks the various washings, fleshly ordinances and Paul says in the book of Colossians even observation of the Sabbath day different things concerning festivals we're not bound by it because Jesus is our Sabbath Hallelujah. He's our rest. So he's brought us right into the meaning of the whole Old Testament religion and rituals. Someone's unmuted. If you can just unmute, please. I'm not able to do it here. Just check your lines if you're unmuted. 
But Christ came, we're in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11, as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. That is, not of this creation. He himself is our tabernacle. He himself purged our sins with his own blood. He himself went to the Father to make intercession. He brought the better, perfect tabernacle. Hallelujah. Everything was done. The sacrifice was prepared. The mediator was prepared. And the reconciliation and atonement occurred. Everything through the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 12, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all in heaven, having obtained eternal buyback, redemption. He bought us back. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, that is the body. But you see, the power of Christ's blood is it purifies the flesh, speaking of the old nature. Only His blood can do that. It gives us power that is over the old nature. As you said yesterday, the law couldn't do that. And the rituals in the law, you had the priests having to wash their own bodies and they could not really stay there and sweat inside. They had to change their garments and it was a very careful, carefully observed ritual that they had to go through to maintain purity externally, some symbolic of internal purity, but that absolute purity could not happen and the ability to crucify the flesh that came with the power of the blood of Christ, they didn't have that. Although the one who kept the law was to live according to the law, what we experience is far better. The Bible says so. How much more shall the blood of Christ if, if those ordinances could sanctify the body, how much more the blood, and what was the sanctification back then, the means of it? It was the blood of bulls and goats, and the ashes of a heifer. Innocent animals, as it were, slaughtered to save people with souls, unlike the animals, who live forever. But progressively, with the revelation shown, that they have to go through this very meticulously, carefully, until the one who would give his own blood, the sinless blood, was to come. If the blood of the animals could purify the outer body and prepare a person to have those sins and the distance covered temporarily, 
so that the man can go with his family as a representative to the priest who would go to God as a representative and then the high priest once a year to God as a representative for the whole nation. Now, the blood of my Lord God, Jesus Christ, sanctifies me. I can go straight in. Hallelujah. I don't need any priest. Because I'm a priest myself and so are you if you're born again. Chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a treasured people. That's why it says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, because it's a total transformation. It's not just me behavior modification, as we hear sometimes. I used to hear in the commercial. I think it was a husband and wife promoting some kind of psychotherapy or something to get uh, Junior under control. So he can do better in math and behave better at home and get respect. Behavior modification, the tools that even teachers have. As I'm an educator myself. You can't reform the individual's heart. But the blood of Christ can. That's why the esteemed universities, the Ivy League schools, as some of you may know, whether it be Harvard or Yale, the founders, including the man who wrote the first comprehensive American dictionary, Noah Webster, the second president of the United States, John Adams, and different people, they all said the greatest education comes from the Bible. And if we don't teach the people, the youth of this nation, the principles of heaven, the word of God, we failed in education. And someone else, famous man, was quoted as saying, that I'd rather have, and he was a president of a university, he said something to this effect, if I remember correctly. He said, I'd rather have a student in the university be taught the Bible than to take a single, even a single college course without the Bible. He said, that's a greater education. And how far we've come, as we heard against Suzanne Prey and Phil text before, is already happening years ago and getting worse. Because people need their consciences cleansed, their minds illuminated, their souls awakened. Someone's still unmuted. Please pick the vines and mute yourself, please. I'm not able to do it as I'm outside here. The blood of Christ through the eternal spirit. Why does it say who through the eternal spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is involved. He came upon the Lord Jesus Christ as he was baptized in water. He empowered him to go to the wilderness and overcome the devil in those 40 days of temptation. The Bible says Jesus was raised for our justification justified by the Spirit. Through the Spirit he was declared. The Spirit of Holiness declared that he is the Son of God. 
and the Holy Spirit is involved in regeneration. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? What are dead works? Not only dead rituals. When we're seeking God, we should identify, do I have any dead works that I'm using to get to God? Am I trying to do a balancing act between my religion and God's truth? Or am I nullifying the word of God, canceling it out with my vain traditions? If we continue without vain traditions, then Christ will not profit us. But if we chuck and reject every human tradition that has nothing to do with God, nothing to do with the word of God, when it comes to our relation with God, then we will benefit. Otherwise, we're challenging God. As some people who want to be born again and enjoy the benefits of God, but they have a legalistic system that if you worship on Sunday, you're going to go to hell. I must worship on Saturday, and so must you. They're canceling out the Word of God. Others who may have beads and they do rituals with them. It's foreign to the Scriptures. They're canceling out the Word of God because it's through the grace of God, through the blood of Christ, through the Holy Spirit, that we have everything through the Word of God. So that's number one, dead works that have something to do with ritualism, tradition. Why bother with that if it's not from God? Why add on to my religious experience with God with something that's not from Him? He's brought in a new way, a better way. That's why the Jews... And the Hebrew Christians were cautioned, don't go back to it. Paul says that he was a Jew of the Jews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. If anyone kept the law strictly, he said, I am more righteous. And he meant it, and God certifies that he was when it came to the law. Paul did it all. And yet he said, I came short. I didn't understand that righteousness comes through Jesus. And if it comes through Jesus, I don't have anything to do with the old rituals. People may call me a Pharisee because they knew what I was, but I'm no longer that. Do we have anything to do with our way of religious worship that has nothing to do with God now? That's number one, dead works. Secondly, sins. Things that people say, I'm a type this, I'm a type that, and that's why I'm like this and that. Justifying sinful behavior according to man's psychology according to hormones, according to whatever. Now, granted, as a human being with biochemical processes, processes with a neurological um, reactions to med medication, to physical weakness, environmental factors, these things can exasperate certain behaviors or moods that we would rather not have because it's contrary to the divine nature. But we often remember that the Spirit of God is more powerful than any medication, any environmental factor. That's why there are some Christians who immediately get cranky and moody 
but there are others. They are put through the mill, as it were, tossed and crushed, and all you get is Christ out of it. Because they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They have an experiential unity with God, with the power of Christ, enables them to overcome anything the devil may throw, anything concerning human weakness. Because Jesus was human, but he did not sin. And he's not only our Savior to liberate us from prison, from sin, but he is the empower who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit to cause us to overcome sin every day. Daily deny ourselves. Take up our cross daily and follow Him. So we have to identify, number one, any tradition that I'm trying to bring in, any legalism, any of my own imagination, dead works, rituals, we have to put it to death because it produces death. So get rid of it. Secondly, anything that has to do with sin as we know it, irritability and moodiness and vengefulness and lashing out. Someone says, well, I know that, but I can't help it. Then that's to deny the power of Christ who is living within you if you're born again. Rather, we should say, I need to make progress. More of you, less of me. The more of Christ that is within us, no matter what the devil does, will emerge victorious as Jesus emerged victorious. How? Because Jesus Christ was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. We can look to him. We can follow him. We can overcome. It's through the blood, through his power. He cleanses us from dead works. We ought not to go back. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. There's eternal salvation, which includes not only deliverance from the penalty of sin and the power of sin now, but there's an inheritance that's waiting for us. It just keeps getting better. Truly. Verse 16, For where there is a testament, a will, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. The person who draws up the will, it gets dispersed and uh, goes into effect when the person dies. The inheritance of that individual only can be transferred when that individual relinquishes it, usually involuntarily, by death. Although voluntarily they would have usually signed for the inheritance being transferred to whoever they wanted it to go to. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. So the blood is not simply to show that, look, an innocent lamb or bull is dying because of my sin. 
the agreement, the testament, the, the properties, the benefits. It was a foreshadow. Someone's going to come and die. Not an animal. The Lamb of God. When he dies, the benefits come to us. Hallelujah. But this testator, this rich relative, kinsman, redeemer of ours, rose from the dead. The reason he rose from the dead was not so that legally he can take it back, all that he gave away, but rather as a faithful friend, faithful brother, faithful father, faithful savior. He makes sure that all of us enjoy the benefits. And he intercedes for us. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people, every commandment according to the law, after he gave that covenant, the terms, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself, the book of the law, and all the people saying, can you picture that? Sprinkling blood all over the place. This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. The seal. It's an agreement. Then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. It has to be sanctified. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no putting away of the sins. There is no forgiveness. God showed that pattern right from the beginning. They could not commence with the priesthood, with the first priest, Aaron. They could not commence with the services in the tabernacle without the sprinkling of this blood all over it. It's made prepared. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. It was a copy to show what was going to happen in heaven with Christ's own blood. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands. He didn't go to some earthly tabernacle. He didn't just go to the temple in Jerusalem. After he died and presented the blood there, no, he went to the temple in heaven. Hallelujah. The eternal sacrifice went to make eternal redemption in the eternal presence of Almighty God. God went to God. The Lord said unto my Lord. Hallelujah. But into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. That Not that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place, that inner part, every year with blood of another, of the animals. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But Jesus doesn't need to repeat it because that one time was good enough for the salvation of the whole world. But now once at the end of the ages he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once but after this the judgment 
So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Normal humanity dies, and next thing is judgment. Christ died to bear the sins and to present his blood as an offering to save us from the second death, the lake of fire. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, hallelujah, apart from sin. He no more has anything to do with sin. He bored once, and he said it is finished. Next time, he's coming, having already accomplished everything on the cross, to receive a people who have already been purified, a holy bride without spot, a wrinkle, or any such thing. Who can cleanse me? Who can cleanse you? But Jesus Christ, only the Lord, and did it all for our salvation. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for protecting me, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the prayers of your people. Thank you, Lord, for helping Stanley to recap what we heard, Lord, last evening. Another sobering message, Lord God, to keep us on track to heaven. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this portion of Scripture in the book of Hebrews to show how detailed, Lord, the work that Christ accomplished was, how efficacious, Lord, effective it was for us, how, Lord, more things involved regarding the earthly tabernacle and the rituals than, and the heavenly tabernacle rituals. That is the the process that was required for the Lord to redeem us and to be our eternal intercessor. Thank you, Lord. Father, we ought to learn more and more about what you have given us and what it took in the meaning of the scriptures. I pray that you illuminate, Lord, our understanding. The hunger for your word would grow upon your people, Lord. That, Lord, we be eager to get our hands on the word of God and on every teaching that comes from you, that we can have an accelerated growth. We've spent enough time in the dark. Help us to make use of everything you give us, Lord. We thank you and praise you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, raising a people up, Lord, that can show forth your praise truly. A loyal people to you, a royal people with loyal hearts to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, bless every brother, every sister, Lord, as we prayed in the beginning also, Lord. Heal, Father. Restore, strengthen, normalize everything that's not normal in the body, bodies of your people, Lord, that we may live to serve you longer and in a powerful way. Thank you, Father, for the glorious day. Lord, I thank you for giving safety as I drive home. And everyone who has to drive, Lord, and has to take care of their situations at home, give grace, Father, I pray. And thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, my God, I thank you. Your grace is sufficient for us, and you are sufficient for us, Lord. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. <laughs>